welcome to the Heal Your Life With Us podcast. I'm Kaylin. And I'm Chrissy. Are you ready to get healing? Let's do it. Let's go. Mike is back with a brand new edition. We're so excited to have you back, Mike. How are you? Good. Excited to be back. A little bit tired today, as we were just talking about, but I'm ready <laughs> to go go dig into thyroid. We are. We're going to pep you right up. Uh, we're going to talk about thyroids. Uh, Mike is the one that has helped us the most with our thyroids. The reason that we all got started on this journey and we have amazing results from his help. So he's, I would say, an expert on the thyroid. I have learned so, 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 so much. Um, so Chrissy, really quickly, tell everyone how Mike helped you with your thyroid, and I'll share mine. Okay, like how far back should I go? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to just start with, I did not know that it was my thyroid in the beginning, so that was like not an, even an option for me. I thought it was my heart. I thought I was having heart issues, So, but once I took a hormone test, and it came back, and I saw that it was my hormones linked to my thyroid, I had answers. And because yeah. you had already been doing the program for your thyroid, I jumped on board too. Yeah. And we kind of just went on this journey together, but that's really how I found out about my thyroid being not in balance. And it was by accident. It wasn't, I wasn't looking for it. What was wrong with your thyroid? Uh, TPO antibodies were high. Uh, I think it was, this was a while ago. Estrogen, I think was high or progesterone, one or the other. I had like two or three high markers and TPO antibodies were the worst yeah. for me. So your T3, T4, and TSH were all good? At the beginning. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, your your T3 and your T4 were in range, but they were low. And right. if I remember correctly, your estrogen was over range and then your antibodies were significantly over range, like multiple yeah. times the range. And then your TSH, which is another marker for thyroid was, was in range, but we'll talk, we'll talk about a, what yeah. being in range or out of range or looking at things within that range actually means. And yes, please. Yeah. Um, yeah my THS kind of stayed the same throughout until my TPO antibodies were trying to level themselves out. And so the THS went up, TPO went down and then they started coming back together and leveling out together. And that's where I am now. A lot of balancing. So much balancing. And I was a hot mess. Uh, I was all over the place. I had super high TPO antibodies. I had a thyroid nodule that was high risk. I had um, inflammation. I mean, pretty much everywhere. You know, I had multiple things wrong with my digestive tract, but overall, we came to the conclusion that we needed to balance the thyroid first and get these antibodies down. And that's what we sort of sort of started at and worked towards. Um, and it took me a lot longer. Um, I had a lot more things to fix and to get rid of and to let go of. And um, the difference between Chrissy and I's journey was insanely different. And Mike worked with us to do different things um, to kind of combat that. So I think for our audience, it would be helpful to distinguish uh, the thyroid. So we can either be have a balanced thyroid, we can have uh, high TPO antibodies, we can have hyper, we can have hypo, we can have Hashimoto's. Maybe you can kind of just do a shortened elevator pitch of what 
that, you know, means for our listeners? Okay. So the, the hyper versus hypo versus you. So when you have a good thyroid function, you should call it you thyroid function. Um, each one of these states is the, I guess, but let's even back up further. So what does your thyroid hormone even do? Your thyroid hormone controls, meta- controls metabolism. It controls cholesterol levels. It controls the production of steroid hormones like progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, cortisol, things along those lines. Um, by, and it, what it does is it takes cholesterol, the cholesterol in your blood, the bad, bad cholesterol that everybody's familiar with, LDL, and it puts it into the cell. And then it puts it inside the mitochondria of the cell. And at the mitochondria of the cells where steroidogenesis or the production of steroid hormones occurs. So you have that piece going on. The next thing that thyroid does is it directly increases mitochondrial respiration and mitochondrial biogenesis. What does this mean? The mitochondria are the site of energy production. And so what thyroid hormone is doing is it's increasing energy production. That's increasing mitochondrial respiration. And then in terms of biogenesis, it's helping to create new mitochondria. So obviously with anything that's going on in your body, any, any function you have to do, any task, whatever it is, it requires energy. And if you don't have adequate energy, you won't be able to fulfill these different tasks. So if your thyroid function is poor or low in the terms of hypothyroidism, you're going to suffer a whole host of symptoms related to not having enough energy. And it can cross pretty much all of the body systems because every cell in the body requires adequate energy. So, and it will manifest in different circum in different symptoms for different people. So for Chrissy, it was anxiety and uh, heart palpitations and uh, like an inability to relax. So manifested a little bit differently. Whereas with Kaylin, there was those components, but there was a lot of digestive components. There's a lot of joint components. You have another piece, um, the EDS on top of that, which kind of complicates things a little bit. So in a lot of circumstances in hypothyroidism, you'll have just basically a lot of nondescript symptoms uh, covering multiple body systems that aren't screaming like, hey, it's my thyroid. Uh, And the one thing to keep in mind is that hypothyroidism is the most common. Hyperthyroidism is much less common. And hyperthyroidism tends to be a function of an autoimmune component which is Graves' disease, this is a different story. So in this circumstance, you have a hyper metabolism to some extent where the thyroid gland is actually producing an excessive amount of thyroid hormone. And that also causes problems because it puts pressure or stress on the cells to increase this energy output, does a whole bunch of different things. So they're both a little bit different. They both have broad ranging symptoms and they, but the hypothyroidism is generally the most common uh, illness seen from a thyroid perspective. And then particularly Hashimoto's, which is a form of hypothyroidism, is an autoimmune, another thyroid disorder in with a immune component that tends to be more prevalent in women and it, or one of the most common causes of hypothyroidism in women. And it also, again, is related to an autoimmune component and also to hormones as well, excess estrogen, things along those lines. So what you're seeing here is kind of you have this normal thyroid function that's you thyroid on the high side you have a hyperthyroidism that tends to be a graves disease which has an autoimmune component and on the low side you have the hypothyroidism which can be regular hypothyroidism without the immune component and then which is the antibodies that's your tpo antibodies that you guys have discussed or you have mentioned a couple times 
And then there's also just like a regular subclinic or a regular hypothyroidism where the thyroid gland, there's some dysfunction in that, that whole thyroid axis. And we can talk about what that thyroid axis actually is. And then the, the grave ants, the grave disease has a different type of antibodies. They're not TPO antibodies. I think they're thyroid stimulating hormone antibodies. So when you say autoimmune and Hashimoto, so like, would you categorize Chrissy having an autoimmune disease then? With her, so technically, yes, with the TPO antibodies at the range that they were. Now, keep in mind, I can't diagnose Chrissy. That's out of my scope of practice. But generally, when you're looking at somebody and they have hypothyroid symptoms and they have the elevate the drastically elevated antibodies and they also have indications in their labs that they're hypothyroid you would say that they're they're suffering from a Hashimoto's hypothyroidism that that's what the a doctor would probably diagnose however if your thyroid hormones like your TSH your T3 your T4 all those values are within normal range and antibodies are are high but maybe didn't not massively high, not multiple times the reference range like you guys experienced. The doctor may not classify that as a Hashimoto's uh, or even a hypothyroidism, but there's some nuance there in terms of the actual thyroid hormone values and what's determined as too high or too low, because you can have normal lab values, TSH, T3, T4, reverse T3. They can all be within range, but that doesn't mean that thyroid function is, is right. functioning well at all. And and that's part of the problem is that the ranges are questionable and they've been slowly adjusting some of the ranges like TSH used to go up to eight. Now it goes to four. And now new research is saying it should go to two. Um, and then the T3 and T4, those values, if they're at the bottom of the reference range, that's not indicating that thyroid function is necessarily in a good place. You really want those at the top end of the reference range. And then reverse T3, if some of those, there's ratio that you can look at, and this is kind of getting a little bit more in the weeds, but looking at a ratio between reverse T3 and free T3 or reverse T3 and total T3 can also give you an indication of what's going on with your thyroid function overall. So you, there's more to the picture. A lot of doctors like to look just at TSH and maybe T4, and they won't go in to look at T3 and reverse T3. And this is quite problematic because T3 is the active hormone. So okay. if your T4 is fine, but your T3 is low below the reference range or your reverse T3 is peaking up, then you're basically like you don't have a lot of active hormone available. So you're still going to suffer from hypothyroid symptoms, even if the other lab values above look fine. So reading thyroid labs or even because the other thing to keep in mind is just looking at what's going on in the thyroid axis doesn't give you indications as to why your thyroid hormone is low. You'd also want to consider some of the other markers, cortisol, estrogen, prolactin, progesterone, things along those lines. Look at your lipid your lipid panel, put your symptoms in context, look at body temperatures and things like that. And those will go a long way towards giving you a better picture of what could be going on than just saying, oh, my, I am hypothyroid. Because at the end of the day, it's not like your thyroid just decides to quit, right? It doesn't just go on break and stop functioning. There's some underlying pathology that's leading to that dysfunction. And the question is figuring out what is what is causing that. And it could it could oftentimes be like lifestyle related things. It could be extended periods of stress. It could there's a lot of things that can affect it. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be some type of like very obscure, like your thought, like you 
were exposed, you took too much iodine or you were exposed to like this chemical or that it's like, could be like a function of your lifestyle. Yeah. And that happened to both of us, right? Chrissy was like, yeah. we got test results that they didn't even check the TPO at a time. Right. So no. they checked the TS3, you know, they, they check all the other T's and they were like, okay, just check back in six months, yeah. but you still have all the symptoms. Right. So one of the things that you had me do in the beginning, which I was like, what is happening was the natural desiccated thyroid. And mm -hmm. we can just talk about this. So I am the, I, I came to Mike and I was like, I'm not going to go on thyroid medication. I am not going to remove my, any portion of my thyroid. I am not going that route. So any other route let's talk about. So he kept saying to me, if you're open to it, if you're open to it, let's try this. And I'm like, I'm open, let's go. So we talked about natural desiccated thyroid, which is literally how thyroid, if I am not mistaken, and you are basically eating the thyroid to help your thyroid. Now, one thing I want to say before you jump in is my thyroid itself was, I would say swollen. It wasn't enlarged, but it was a little swollen. And about a year later or a year and a half later, I took another test and I had decreased the size of my actual thyroid, not the nodule, the actual thyroid by eight centimeters. I want to say that feels like a lot. I, I swear it's eight centimeters, it the whole organ itself. And I wonder if that is a possibility of, there's a lot of things I've been doing, obviously, but a possibility of some of the natural desiccated thyroid that I take or NDT as we call it. So tell them a little bit about that. And I got to tell you, it comes in like this bag. It looks like brown <laughs> sugar, brown sugar with again, the little tiny Barbie spoon that you take a little <laughs> tiny, tiny little spoon. So, um, I felt very strange taking it at first, but I feel like it really helped to jumpstart the process for me. Yeah. So first, just the first piece, I can't prescribe thyroid. So does that because there's like a scope of practice there. And so we can I can only educate or discuss thyroid and tell you where to get it and how the dosing is done and, and like what the functions are. So that's just the first piece. And so natural desiccated thyroid is literally just dried thyroid glands or like a cooked thyroid gland and they they powder it. Now, what you're really taking it for is not like it's not because it's magical or, or anything it's because it has the thyroid hormones in it so it has it's t4 <laughs> it has t4 it has t3 in it uh there's t2 there's a bunch of other components in the actual thyroid gland but you're basically taking thyroid hormone to some extent now if it the thyroid the natural desiccated thyroid there's a lot of different options on the market in terms of like where to get it and it's important that when you're using it to make sure that it's increasing your temperature and your pulse and that you maybe check your labs to make to see that it's actually lowering TSH and increasing T3 and T4 so that you know it's like legitimate and that it actually has the thyroid hormone because a lot of the ones that are coming with that, that come without prescription can't technically list the thyroid hormone values on the package because then it would then it could be regulated as a drug instead of as a supplement or food product as a supplement or food product the and this is kind of a gray area within because the natural desiccated thyroid got I think grandfathered in with the FDA. Um, if you with as a without those listing of those things, it, it becomes a food product because you're literally just eating thyroid gland. So 
that's there's kind of a gray area there. Now, a couple things. A lot of doctors or a lot of the general medical profession will prescribe just straight T4 uh, in for any type of hypothyroid situation. The problem with T4 is that T4 is not active thyroid hormone. So let's just go through the the pathway really quick as far as like what the regulation is. So at the brain, you have thyroid stimulating hormone, TSH. And TSH acts on the thyroid gland and says, hey, thyroid gland, you don't have enough thyroid hormone coming out. We need you to make more thyroid hormone. Thyroid gland says, sure, produces T3 or T4 and T3, but mostly T4. And so T4 is kind of a pro hormone. It's not active. It doesn't, it's not like T3, like T3 is a very active form. And so it's the thyroid spits out mostly T4 and a little bit of T3. Now, what happens is when that T4 goes to the different cells of the body, and specifically at the liver, the liver and the cells are, are saying, hey, you know, we're really, we're doing pretty well right now. We have a lot of substrate on board. We have a lot of food available. We're not under a lot of stress. So we can turn this T4, this pro hormone into this active hormone T3. Whereas on the flip side, if the liver, the liver is one of the major sites, but the cells of the body also have a conversion process. If the liver and the, or the body's state isn't so good, the liver and the cells can say, uh, we don't want to push the gas pedal too hard on metabolism. So we're going to take this T4 and we're going to turn it into reverse T3. And so the reverse T3, what, what winds up happening is a couple things. Reverse T3 is using the T4. So it's not getting converted into that T3. And it, there's the reverse T3 doesn't get converted into T3. So it's basically remove, taking away this pro-hormone that could be converted into the active hormone. The second thing is reverse T3 can compete at active binding sites for some of the, these enzymes called deiodinase enzymes. And those are the deiodinase enzymes that are actually deciding whether T4 gets converted into T3 or reverse T3. So they are kind of, they can block up some of those enzymes. And then at the cellular level, reverse T3 can compete with T3 for binding. So reverse T3 is basically, it's like a little switch, right? The body's not doing too good. Reverse T3 elevates. The body's doing pretty good. T3 starts to elevate. And then T4 is that parent compound, that pro-hormone that the body has, the body can use depending on what it has going on. So in most situations, doctors will actually use T4 only therapies and the compounds called levothyroxine. Now, obviously this can be quite problematic because if your body's in not such a great state and you're taking T4, a lot of times people will feel like, well, nothing's happened. Nothing's changed. I don't feel any better. I don't feel any different. The other thing that can be bad is that the T4 actually suppresses TSH. So your, your brain will read, Hey, we have a lot of this thyroid hormone and it will suppress that TSH, that thyroid stimulating hormone. And then your thyroid's not going to produce any, it's not going to produce hormone because it's the brain is basically saying, oh, we're good. We don't need much thyroid hormone right now. And so, as I said before, the thyroid gland does produce a little bit of T3. So if you're not getting, now you're not even getting that little bit of T3 because the thyroid gland has been suppressed by the T4 therapy. And now you just have T4 and you're not converting it well. So on the, this is important because when we talk about natural desiccated thyroid, you have both T3 and T4. So you're taking the active hormone and the pro hormone. And so this is usually goes a lot better for people who are dealing with hypothyroidism because 
it allows them to have that active thyroid hormone that does all the things that you want it to do in terms of increasing metabolism and increasing steroidogenesis and thing, all these different types of things that I mentioned in the beginning. So you having active thyroid hormone can be very important. And this is where NDT becomes important or combination therapy of synthetic T4 and synthetic T3 can become important. Now, specifically to your case, Kaylin, why do I think that the natural desiccated thyroid could help to shrink your thyroid if your thyroid was drastically increasing in size? So there's a couple, it, there's a couple pieces to this picture, but essentially in Hashimoto's, the immune system is basically creating antibodies to this specific enzyme. The enzyme is called thyroid peroxidase or TPO. And TPO is extremely important because TPO is the enzyme that basically makes thyroid hormone. And it, however, the caveat here is that in order to make thyroid hormone, TPO actually creates oxidative stress inside the thyroid. And so the thyroid has its own little space. It's called the, it's like the colloid space. That's what they call it. And it's like this little, like, it's like if the thyroid was a chemist, it's like this little hood that sucks up all the toxicity and it, that's where the TPO enzyme works. However, if things are not going well, if the thyroid's under stress if antioxidant systems aren't, aren't effectively working, that TPO is generating this oxidative stress and it can start to damage the thyroid gland. So the immune system comes in and says, Hey bro, you need to chill out. You're, you're going to, you're going to blow the place up. So it comes, it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> I guess the, the, the DEA or the, the drug enforcement agency of the body or of the thyroid gland. And you can think of the thyroid gland as like Walter White from Breaking Bad. They're coming in. <laughs> yeah. And they're just, <laughs> the DEA is like, dude, this is too much. You're, you're going to blow up. You're going to blow up the trailer, whatever the deal is. And so it's, Jesse. It, yeah. So it stops that it, it stops that enzyme from functioning. Now, the issue here is that if you don't have this thyroid hormone coming out effectively because of this blockage with the TPO antibodies, your brain is going to say, Hey, where's all the thyroid hormone? Where's the T3? Where's the T4? And then it's going to start increasing TSH. And then TSH is going to start to tell the thyroid, like, Hey, you need to make hormone. So the thyroid gets stuck in this kind of crappy place where the it needs to make this hormone, but it doesn't have, but it, it's being blocked by the immune system. And so I think in this circumstance, at least my interpretation of what's going on and reading the research and trying to understand the processes is TSH starts to cause this like hypertrophy at the thyroid gland to some extent. And so you see that even with goiters is in goiter, the, you have different things blocked. Maybe it's an iodine deficiency. Maybe it's a high intake of um, goitrogenic compounds or goitrogenic meaning compounds that block thyroid function. And what winds up happening in those circumstances is TSH is coming down and it's telling the thyroid hormone to make the thyroid gland to make the hormone, but it can't do it. So the gland starts to get in, enlarge and hypertrophy a bit. So when we put the, the NDT on board, when you decided to use the NDT, what wound up happening was the TSH actually lowered and your body had now adequate amounts of T4 and T3. And it took that pressure off the thyroid gland from TS from the signaling from the brain from TSH. And then the gland was like, all right, whew, I can, I can relax. Now the DEA is off my back. I can, I, I know I can't make stuff right now, but I can just kind of coast for a bit. Cause we, I have enough, I have enough supply out there. Um, right. So that's, that's what I think you're seeing when, when you bring the NDT on board. Now, 
This is important because TSH has a negative upregulation of TSH on the thyroid gland is not a good thing. So over time, it actually creates stress inside the thyroid gland. If you have like this hot, this constant stimulation on the gland, and that can lead to damage and issue to the gland down the road. So it's actually very helpful in circumstances where the gland is under stress and you're in, it's being indicated that it's under stress by the elevated TSH plus the thyroid antibodies and then the altered T3 and T4 production. So you're taking the stress off, you're allowing the thyroid to basically not have to put out all the hormone. It's decreasing that thyroid gland size because it's not being ramped up by the signaling. Um, and then your body now has adequate thyroid hormone. So that's like one strategy that you could possibly implement to help deal with this autoimmune component. Now it's not always necessary. It's not always necessary to do that, but in certain circumstances, it could be quite helpful. So it really, it depends on the individual's context. Cause on the, with Chrissy's situation, Chrissy didn't need to use NDT because as soon as we adjust the diet, as soon as we improve what she was doing and re rebuild nutrition and whatnot, her antibodies came down, her thyroid function started to peak up again, and then things kind of readjusted. But that again, that doesn't always happen. It really depends on the person. And I, I don't think anyone can, but I know I definitely can't predict what people's outcomes are going to be. I know that they'll trend and they'll get better and they'll move in the right direction. But as far as is the course going to be as easy as Chrissy's situation where it's like, oh, I eat no. better and now I'm good. No, no, that's definitely not always the case. And there's there's a spectrum of responses. Some people take a really long time to kind of, and it, the other thing is it depends on what you're, where you're coming from, right? If you're coming from an extended period of time of stress, not eating well, um, drinking, things along those lines, you have a, basically you can think of you've dug yourself into a nice hole and it takes a while to kind of get yourself out of that hole. Um, and so, yeah, that's that just yeah. something to keep in mind for the audience. It's not like this linear path to I was here and now I'm here. Oh yeah. We know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chrissy, Chrissy sailed through that. She was on, <laughs> she was on top of it and I was in the hole. Like yeah. it's okay. We're still, we're just going to pull you out of the hole. Like we're here yeah. to help you out of the hole. Definitely. You know, you talk about the liver. That's a big portion. I think of what I had to correct and fix and, you know, just, I was in a big state of stress at the time too. So it's a, it, you're right. I think a lot of it plays a big role um, for those people that have been, you know, diagnosed with something. It's interesting because Chrissy, I don't know about you, but did you feel like your thyroid hurt? Um, On occasion. Yes. Did you feel like a throb or what did yes. you feel? Okay. Like a, sure. yes, a throb. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't feel it. It's just so dumb, but maybe, maybe not, uh, until I got the diagnosis, right? Like until somebody told me something was wrong, it was like a flashlight had, you know, kind of shine, shine its light on that. But if you like, there's no feeling that you get that might bring you in to get blood work or, you know, say, all right, this, there's something really wrong. Like I had pain all over and I had inflammation and I wanted to make a change. And then I got the blood work and then I had the TPO antibody. So it was like, I didn't even really realize or make the connection at all. But, um, what are, what are some foods? Cause I was really shocked when you told me a few of the foods that I had to either let go or adjust. What are some foods that are 
aggravating to thyroid. I was eating them almost every day, aggravating to thyroid and maybe some to avoid high level. You know, I know everybody's diet's different. They have different allergies, things like that. But overall, I would say the number one food to first avoid, and this is specific to you, Kaylin, is Chick-fil-A dipping sauce. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not eating it anymore. I promise. (laughs) So just as a, some context for the audience, we were like building out this like super organic nutrient dense diet and like coming from, you know, eating Chick-fil-A regularly and, and eating out and things like that. And to the, so we get this diet on board, we build out this great diet. And the one thing that Kaylin could not give up for months was the Chick-fil-A dipping sauce. And I was just, okay. Legitimately, she had them in her car console. Like it's like, this is my secret stash in case anyone steals it. Like no one can break into my car because this is where I keep all my Chick-fil-A sauce. I'm like, um, it was my backup sauce. (laughs) I loved to dip. Everything goes with Chick-fil-A sauce. It does. Yeah. And then I tried to make my own. No, 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 no. It's not Chick-fil-A sauce. I don't know what they put in there. A bunch of bad stuff, apparently. So, okay, number yeah. one food is Chick-fil-A sauce. So just just take that off your list if you have thyroid issues. Yeah. So the next piece, from a dietary perspective, there, it's not. It's about foods and it's about a couple other things. So the way I kind of go about diet is in a hierarchical structure. You kind of think of it like a pyramid. So first, on the bottom of the pyramid, we have to build out the base, and so we want to make sure that we're eating enough on a regular basis. You don't want to be running a heavy caloric deficit, uh, or like under eating chronically, you also don't want to be like massively overeating. But in 95% of circumstances, with most people I work with, they're not overeating, most people are under eating. And I think for both you guys, you were drastically under eating when we first met, particularly yes. you, Kaylin. Um, yes. And then so the next piece after that is you want to be eating enough of the correct food. So that's going to be the right macronutrients so carbs fats proteins things along those lines and for both of you guys i think carbs were on the lower side and then chrissy your protein was actually excessively low because you were not eating any meats so and kaylin you were like eating 100 grams of carbs a day max like consistently so i've been taught that carbs were bad (laughs) and i have many carbs i was like give me all the carbs that's all i eat Yeah. And so there's get the calories, then your macros, right? Then after that, the next thing is, what are you using to fill those different targets? And so Chrissy, your carb sources was very heavy in grains and legumes, and you were having a lot of like bloating and digestive issues from that. And then we switched to maybe more easily tolerated starch sources and all like potatoes and maybe rice. And then we also moved towards fruits. And then Kaylin, for you, we just we just actually just bumped up your intake and you're doing a lot of like, instead of actually having some type of carb source, you're having like spin drift and these other things. And it took a while for us to get carbs up. Cause I think you were worried that the carbs were going to make you gain weight. So we yeah, actually, I think we doubled your carb intake over time. So that was the next piece was, and we, we used juice sources. So we, we made, we, made sure you're using appropriate sources for these different foods. And Chrissy, for your protein sources, we obviously brought animal food sources on board because they're much better protein sources than beans and legumes and all all those types of things. So we adjusted that. Uh, The next thing, a big one with food sources for fats 
is we had to make sure that you guys weren't eating heavy amounts of polyunsaturated fats, particularly omega-6s, because those are what are very involved in driving inflammation and lipid peroxidation or damage to lipids. So we drastically decreased those. And for kaolin, yours was quite high because you were eating Chick-fil-A. And the problem with that is not only is Chick-fil-A high in omega-6, it's high in oxidized omega-6 because the chicken and the different components are cooked with those oils. So anytime you're cooking those oils, those oils are going to become damaged. So that was the next piece that we did. So first we have, we have calories, we have macros, we have food sources. Next piece after that was micronutrients. How are we hitting all the targets? Are we hitting all your vitamins and minerals on a regular basis? So we filled in the gaps from there because we, we basically plugged your food intake into the app. I think we've talked about a chronometer and we were able to see your macros, your calories. We had your food sources and we were also able to see your micros. So we bolstered your nutrition from that perspective. So those were kind of the basic things that like the, that basic hierarchy, we went into some other things afterwards, like constructing a meal macros across the day, timing of meals, things from that perspective. And then as far as like actual food sources, let me dig into that just just for a quick second is minimize the polyunsaturated fats. Even I wouldn't be taking fish oil or anything like that. If you're worried about omega-3s, I would just eat seafood on a regular basis, maybe shrimp, scallops, mussels, clams, oysters, flounder, cod, things along those lines. From uh, carb sources, I would shift more towards easily digestible carb sources so that you're not bloated or gassy all day long. So that could be things like potatoes, yams, plantains, bananas, uh, different fruits, fruit juices, particularly with a focus on things that are low in FODMAP, which are fermentable carbohydrates. So again, you're not bloated and gassy. Um, with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, there tends to be a digestive component. So you feel a lot better when that when you start to minimize those problematic foods. And then for um, for fat sources, with minimizing the PUFO, we move more towards mono and monounsaturated and saturated fat sources. So that could be olive oil, avocados, chocolate, butter, if you don't have an issue with dairy, uh, beef fat, beef tallow, uh, egg yolks are okay. Um, I don't know if I'm missing, there's probably, I'm probably missing a few, but there's, we're moving mostly towards mono, unsaturated and saturated fat sources and trying to limit PUFA or polyunsaturated fats as much as possible. So those are, those are some of like the general strategies that can apply to most people. There's obviously nuances like some foods that work for you, Kaylin, didn't work for you, Christy, and some foods that work for you, Christy, didn't work for Kaylin. So it's there's an individual component that has to be tested out over time. But those are kind of some general, that's a general hierarchy and strategy to look at and implement when trying to improve thyroid function. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was amazing. Literally, yeah. you nailed it all in one in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, and Chrissy and you both taught me to cook my vegetables, uh, other than some salad sources like butter, lettuce, and, you know, some very, very light salads, because I was eating heavy salads, like big salads, spinach, arugula, kale. And I have to cook all of those things now in order to eat, yeah. them, you know, either freeze or cook them. And that was a big change. I think I'm being so healthy with these salads, but really you got to cook all your vegetables a lot. Yeah. Um, so that was a big component, um, and just embracing, you know, fruits and vegetables as your carbs. So and yeah. Chris changed and your whole life with chicken, like literally yeah. brought it on board. Yeah. I was like, well, give me all the chicken. And now literally I, because I didn't eat it for nine years, I eat chicken all the time. I love it so <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and I think that helps your muscles for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
one other thing just briefly to look out for are foods that impair thyroid function. So that's going to be goitrogenic foods. That's your soy. That's your cruciferous vegetables, particularly raw cruciferous vegetables. Those are going to be the main ones, maybe cassava. So I would, I would avoid all of those types of foods if you're dealing with a thyroid issue or like excessive intakes of green tea, um, can have a negative impact because of some of the mineral contents in there. So those are just some more, but you'll probably see those on every single blog is like all oh, these foods impact thyroid hormone. So yeah, I would just put a, that caveat there as well. Yeah, definitely. And Mike and I are both grain free. So we, we took an extra step. So, you know, gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free, most 99% dairy-free. Um, I eat some butter. Sometimes I, I tried cacao butter and I've tried some of the things and very, very light. Um, but he does recommend eating dark chocolate every single day. So that might help wrap you up a little bit out there. You do get some, some good stuff. So I do. I eat dark chocolate every single day, every day. I get, I allow myself this, like the teensiest little bit. So (laughs) you could have it more if you wanted to, if that was going to hit your fat intake and you tolerated it, that would be the, so some people I work with have dark chocolate every meal because they just like it and it covers their fat intake. And so that's fine as well. It's just, I, it really depends on like looking at how much fat you're eating. Right. Yeah. And that is where chronometer comes in. So again, highly recommend it. I'm still doing it. Y'all I'm still doing it. You know, it just helps me because then I know, okay, I can have this later on if I eat this and it really keeps me balanced. Um, so anyway, that is thyroid in a nutshell. Uh, we promised that we would get you some more information. We brought the mad scientist brain on here to help you out. Uh, I hope this helps you. I know it's scary when you get a diagnosis and I know you think you have to get on meds. You have to have the surgery. You don't, there are lots of different options. It's going to take time though. It's going to take more time than you think and patience and give yourself grace as you go through this process. If you're on this journey and you're interested in finding out more, um, Mike, do you want to share where the the natural desiccated thyroid is? I don't remember the name. Yeah. So the place that we were getting it from was a life-giving store. Now they recently changed their formulation. So I'm waiting to see if it actually does improve people's labs still, because basically the way to, the only way you're going to know if some of these things work is if you test them out. So for me, I have, I can see labs, I can see clients labs, I can see their temperatures change. And if I'm not seeing that TSH suppress and that T3 and T4 elevated and body temperatures aren't going up, then that's not a good sign for that product. So they did just recently change the formulation and I'm still, I'm still waiting to see on some of these lab tests if it's, if that's going to actually, if it's actually working. So Yeah. That's just a caveat there. Yeah. Well, I may be that next experiment because I've been, I've been keeping my temps. I've been watching my temps. I may try it soon. I'm not sure because I'm still on my thyroid journey. So we will keep you posted. Yep. So thank you, Mike. Appreciate you coming on and I hope this helped y'all. Yes. Um, Thanks for having me guys. Yes. You can always email us at heal your life with us podcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Instagram at CBC inked. And you can find me on Instagram. It's Chrissy C H R one S S Y underscore rice R I C E. And Mike, where can they find you? You can find me on my website at mikefavemp.com. And then you can find me at YouTube at mikefave. And I think Instagram is mikefavemp. Thanks, y'all. We'll see you next time.
Thank you.